Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, tuning in today. Thank you for making time in your busy schedule to um, find out what's going on on the Afternoons with Bill show. This is going to be a great hour. Jason Stonehouse is in my studio. I love in-studio guests. I love Jason, but I love in-studio guests because you never have to fear connection, and you've got a nice, clear connection with uh, live studio guests, which I love. And that also makes it easier for you to connect with us if you want to hear, if you hear anything in the hour that comes up and you go, huh, I don't know if I heard that right, or... Boy, I'd like Jason to talk about that a little bit more, or I'd like him to elaborate on that point. Let us know, because that's I want this show to be very much that way. Uh, stop me, interrupt, ask questions, and just make sure you don't walk away wondering, uh, I don't know what he was talking about, because we can just clarify it. 877-933-2484 is a number. Have that on hand, written down somewhere, or maybe just on your phone on a speed dial number, so you can just hit it easily. Program it right into your phone, 877-933-2484. In Matthew uh, chapter 10, in verse 16, it says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent at doves as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogue. That's Kind of a scary thought. (laughs) But it's important to be wise and shrewd, and we're going to talk about all of that today with Jason. And we're going to take 60 seconds and then bring him on. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You know, for 70 years, Faith Radio has been a trusted voice sharing the good news of the gospel, lifting up the name of Jesus, and helping listeners grow in their faith. God has been faithful to this ministry thanks to the financial investment of thousands of friends just like you. Your partnership is still needed for the work ahead. Join us today with a gift at MyFaithRadio.com or by calling 877-93-FAITH. Thank you. Praising our risen Lord together. Proclaiming His Resurrection. Faith Radio. Jason Stonehouse is the lead pastor of Grace Church in Roseville, Minnesota. He grew up in New Jersey and served in a variety of uh, capacities over the last 20 years. He's uh, written a book that we're going to chat about, and he's also got a new book coming out, which we're going to preview a little bit. Uh, His book that is called Something More, Pursuing the Life You Were Made to Live. You know, sometimes you have this thought in your Christian journey, and you ask yourself, is that all there is, or maybe... Maybe you're there now. Maybe maybe you're nagged by the sense that something is missing. And I was thinking of that passage that you will be sent out like 
sheep among wolves. That to me is a readiness that you've got. Um, you've got a job that God has called you to do, and we need to maybe freshen that spirit of awareness and give you some encouragement that that God does have a life that intends for you to be uh, active and busy and fulfilled and not just going through the motions. So, Jason, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your, your book because it's just such a delightful book, Something More, Pursuing the Life You Were made to live. We all have a taste for more, don't we? Yeah, we do. And I I think what you were saying a little bit earlier here about um, the world that we're sent into, I think in many ways our churches, at least the churches that I've grew up in, um, really didn't prepare us well for the the world, the real world, the struggles that we face. And so what we're often left with is this sense that I know there's got to be something more to this, and the idea of just kind of going through emotions or just going to church because that's the way we grew up or that's what people told us to do is just not cutting it anymore. I think people really long for, I need something of substance. I need something real. I need something more um, than what I, was le- what I learned growing up. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where the the whole journey of the book was was uh, probably two decades of me just really seeking out to say I'd grown up in church. My grandparents are missionaries in Africa for many years, and so I had a really rich Christian heritage. And yet, as a high school student, um, towards the end of my high school year, I just was like, "Man, there's got to be more to faith than this." And mm-hmm. so that just kind of set me on this journey to say. I don't want just the faith of my parents. I don't want just the faith that I'm being told to have. But there's there's got to be a relationship with God that um, I'm not really tapping into at that point. And so that really, the journey really turned out to be my book. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of the summary from chapter one of your book, Christ Died for Us While We were, were Still Sinners. Of course, God loves us as is, offering salvation as a free gift, but it's not an excuse to remain as is, is it? No, no. I think the the idea that, hey, I've got my fire insurance and I'm on my way to heaven and I'm mm. good, it's just, it's just not going to cut it. Well, and no wonder you're feeling unfulfilled if that's your thoughts. Yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. One of the expressions that one of my friends shared with me, uh, especially living here in Minnesota, is the idea that, um, you know, in Minnesota we have these mud rooms, we have these places that when you're going out and playing in the snow or whatever, you come in, you get all your, your stuff off and and, and uh, so you're not tracking mud throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the house. And um, what, one, one, one of my friends said to me is, "There's no mud room in the in the kingdom of heaven. You know, there's no opportunity. There's no need for us to have to kind of clean up our act first before we're welcomed in. And so we come as is. We, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this idea that God accepts me for who I am, but He doesn't leave me there. He invites me into the banqueting table. He invites me into the feast, and He says, "Hey, come as you are." And as you come, I'm going to be changing you, transforming you. I'm going to be doing some amazing things in your life, and you're going to get to experience more and more of me. Mm-hmm. Jason, is negative emotions that we might be experiencing, is that a red flag that that God is trying to let us know our souls need to be fed? We need to be equipped, trained? I think think emotions um, really become 
I think they're often downplayed, at least in a lot of the conservative churches that I've been accustomed to, is people don't want to put too much stock in emotions. But I think emotions can really be a, a warning light or say, hey, what, what's going on? You know, when I'm angry about something or when I'm really impatient or I'm anxious about something, I'm, I'm kind of in this place of what's going on inside of me. And that, I think, is something that God uses to say, hey, trying to get your attention here. And the reason you're feeling that angst is because you're looking to something that you shouldn't be looking for to find, you know, sustenance or find strength or satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I think people are mostly frustrated about things. They don't have resolution on something. They're f- constantly frustrated and that turns into anger and that turns into weird emotions. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's, I'm, I'm more inclined to ask someone, what are you frustrated about? Because yeah. we all have that, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You and know, I think the things that frustrate us show us what our priorities are. They show us what's really important to us. Because we don't get upset about things that don't, that aren't close to our hearts, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, I I'd say to my congregations from time to time, like, I don't really care how your kids are doing in school, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not staying up late at night worried that yeah. you know Johnny's got a C and yeah. you know you know you lose no sleep over that. Are yeah, you? no, because yeah. it's not something that's close to me. It's not somebody that I'm it. really engaged with. But the things that are important to us, we worry about those things. We get angry about those things. We we stay up at night thinking about some of those things. Mm-hmm. When we think of some spiritual fast food, we might be indulging in uh, quick fixes when what we really need to do is be doing a deep dive into God's Word, almost like, you know, my last guest, Tom and Marcia, doing an in-depth study of of books of the Old Testament, which a lot of people go, eh, that sounds kind of dry, yeah. but it's anything but. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think I've realized as a pastor um, is a lot of times in our churches, we go just an inch deep but we do it in multiple topics. So what happens a lot of times is you'll get you'll get a little bit of in- information in a sermon, and then you'll go to a Bible study, and they're talking about something totally different. And then you go to a small group, and they're doing something different. And what happens is we only go like an inch deep on a lot of different subjects. And so one of the things that we've done in our church now is to say, what if we took our small group time and tied it into the sermon so that the things that we're discussing in our small group is actually going deeper on the same subject you just heard about a couple days ago in the sermon so that we can stick with a topic, go a little bit deeper, and not just skim the surface of our lives, which we so often do even among church people and Christians. I like that. Yeah. What a smart idea. (laughs) Very smart idea. All right, let's talk about it, just having a relationship with God. You know, that's the starting point, and I love having opportunities for people to just hear about what, what God requires. He wants our hearts to be transformed. Maybe, Jason, you would talk a little bit about how on this Wednesday, people are in their car, maybe getting ready for dinner, and maybe they have heard about God, they've believed in God, but their heart has not gone through a transformation. Mm. Yeah, what, I think... What's what's that surrender step? What does that look like? How do we get to that heart-level transformation? It, it, to me, um, I'm just amazed at how little how how little people are honest with God and the weird thing the reason I'm so amazed that is God already knows but we don't we don't often take the time to really be honest with God and start with who we really are so what happens a lot of times is we relate to God 
from these facades or these masks that we wear rather than dealing with our hearts. So I think part, the first step to transformation is, am I being honest with God? Am I being willing to share what's really going on? What's, you know, even if it means I'm angry at God right now, and I want to kind of express that to him, he already knows it, but we're so afraid, oh, I can't be angry at God. That would be horrible. But the idea being is like, what's really going on in your heart? Start there so that God can then start working with the real you and not the you that you want other people to see or your family to see because like you said you're getting home you're getting you're going to have dinner on the table uh, is your family going to see the real you or are they going to see the you that you want to portray to yeah, the, the rest imposter. of the family yeah, yeah exactly read psalms if you think uh, you know if people <laughs> are mad at god right yeah yeah so what about just asking people about how they have viewed god you know i when people say that i'm you know i'm not interested in faith or or god i usually ask them tell me about the god you rejected yeah, because if you're mad about some God, who was that God, and what did He do, or what didn't He do that made you reject Him? Yeah, and usually they bark something out like, "Well, you know, my mom died of cancer when I was nine, mm-hmm. and I could never trust Him. Why would I follow God?" Yeah, and I go, "Yeah, I get it." Yeah, I think if we don't expose those current views and then a- and then put them up against Scripture and say, "Is this an accurate perception of who God is?" and that was uh, actually the the message series we just finished at Grace Church was called Breaking Faith or Breaking Through. And we talked about this idea of we all have these crises of faith, and are they going to break your faith or are they going to become a breakthrough? Is there things about God that maybe you didn't understand before, you Ooh, didn't know before, like. that you could produce a breakthrough in your understanding of God? Because you've been, like you said, I've been carrying this baggage since I was nine because yeah. God didn't answer that prayer for me when I was at nine. So now I'm carrying this baggage my whole life, and I'm relating to a imposter God who's not truly who God is. And so they t- they become times that our faith breaks rather than being a time of breakthrough. And usually the breakthrough happens when we understand an aspect of God that maybe we didn't understand before, or we see a more full picture of the beauty of who God is rather than just kind of pigeonholing him into one particular area. Okay, Jason, I hate to tell you this, but we have a lot to talk about. So we're going to do it after the break. Jason Stonehouse is my guest. We're chatting about a number of things. We're going to talk about his recent sermon series, Breaking Faith or Breaking Through. And also his book is called Something More, Pursuing the Life You Were Made to Live. And then a little preview of an upcoming book he's got coming out maybe next spring. Be back in a minute. All right, we are back with Jason Stonehouse. He's in the studio. The book I'm holding is called Something More, Pursuing the Life You Were Made to Live. So let's talk about being intentional. You just can't have intentions. You've got to be intentional. What does that mean? Well, I think a lot of people say like, oh, I really would love to do this, or, I, I, or one day I hope to. And so we have these intentions. We have these dreams. We have these, oh, I'd like to lose 20 pounds or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then if we're not intentional with those intentions, if we don't actually put a strategy in place or put some motion to those intentions, and that's what I mean by being intentional, then we're never going to get there. And then we're going to kick ourselves because it'll be three years later. And I'm like, oh, I'm 400 pounds. And, you know, or, <laughs> or oh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm still dealing with that same sin or, yeah. oh, I'm still struggling with that thing. And, and, and I deal with this all the time and to people in our church. And I'm like, yeah, you had good intentions, but you weren't intentional about them. Mm, I like. So I bet having strong community, strong biblical community is a key component of 
being intentional and working that out. Yeah, you, you can't do, we're not intended to do life alone. I mean, you, right back in the garden, right, before even sin entered into the world, it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I think too many of us are trying to do our Christian lives on our own, and we need the community. And it's one of the things that I often will tell our church as well, that the church is not this gathering for, you know, 70 minutes on a weekend, that the church is really this community of people. And if we're not engaged in each other's lives, then we're not going to actually influence one another in the ways that we need to go. Mm-hmm. We need to come into church so we can turn around and go out. Yeah. As the church, not as just church. as individuals. You know, I think a lot of times people will come to church and like, okay, give me that, give me that little magic pill or give me that, you know, sustenance, feed me, feed me so that I can go out and then do this exercise. And it's like, no, you're not meant to do this on your own, even outside of the church. It's not just a time for us to gather here, but we need to be doing life together out in the real world. Mm-hmm. So if you're at a point in your Christian journey and you're thinking, is this all there is? Um, maybe there's some gifts you have that you have not paid attention to. Maybe there's something God has given you that you're not acting upon. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, Jason. One of the things that I learned early on in my faith is that, and, and I'm, this will be a strong statement, but I honestly believe it, that you will never know what it really means to be a Christian until you allow God to use you in the life of someone else. And that's, the, that's why God gave us gifts. That's why God gave us abilities is he wants to be able to take those gifts and use them in the lives of other people, whether that be a third grade Sunday school class, whether that be holding a door for a new person walking into church or whatever it might be. As we use the gifts and abilities and our own personalities and we let God just take us and do something with us, um, our faith comes alive in a really, really fresh way. And I think it, there is some perception sometimes like, well, the reason I serve in church is because the church needs me to do this, or, you know, I really sinned really bad when I was 18. I shouldn't have done that, smoked that, done that. So I got to, you know, make it up by watching fifth graders or something. (laughs) (laughs) And the reality is, is that's not at all why God gave us gifts. And that's not at all why your church will call you and say, hey, we want to get you involved here. It's because God's got more for you. And the only way you're going to experience that is by putting yourself in a place where God can do some of his best work. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we're trying to discover and develop our spiritual gifts, is it important just to pay attention to our own story? Is that helpful? I think our, whole, our own story is going to produce probably more of our passions. I think um, one of the questions I will ask people is when you were doing that thing that you were passionate about, what, what about it did you like? What about that particular thing? Because uh, I, I always think back to when I was 10 years old and I had a birthday party and I, had, I decided I wanted to play kickball for my birthday party. Well, the thing that and somebody asked me about this years later, they're like, well, what did you like about that? I said, my favorite part was not playing kickball. It was organizing the teams and structuring how we're going to do this. And so then I I started learning that I've got some organization gifts. I've got some (laughs) leadership gifts because that's when I came alive. You know, I kickball part was boring. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it was boring. Uh, But it was the teams, the organizing, executing. And so I think I always will tell people, I'm like, do the things that you're passionate about, but take it a step further and say, what about that thing made you come alive? What about doing that particular activity made you come alive? And some people will say, well, it was because I was doing it with other people. Well, you may have some gifts of encouragement. You may have some gifts of that of building team and community. Or I, I, I really enjoyed it when I could speak and then I saw people do something with what I just taught. 
well, hey, you may have a gift of teaching. So I think part of it is just getting out there, trying some things, looking at your story and see when did I come alive the most and then find out ways to use those gifts for God's glory. Mm-hmm. In chapter seven, you talk about growth occurs when you step forward in courage because you've decided that making an impact is more important than your fear of the outcome. Yeah, I remember back to when I was in seventh grade and um, we did the we had these dances in our public school where, you know, you can go to the seventh grade dance, which really should be called the seventh grade stand because that's all we did. Right. <laughs> Everybody just stands, you know, yeah. on the side, yeah. on the wall, on the, especially the guys. We all stood on the side on the walls and the girls were just dancing in the middle, yeah. you know, and and it was like and what I found was it wasn't necessarily the attractive guys that got the girls. It was the guys that were willing to step out and go on the dance floor, you know? Yeah. And so I think sometimes I think about that. It's like God wants us to dance this beautiful dance. But if we're not willing to get off the wall and just step into the middle, we may not know all that we're doing. But God's going to use the people that are moving, the people that are saying, hey, I'm ready to dance. Let's do this. So when you just love others, you're going to probably realize that you're overcoming your own fears and you're not even thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Because you're, because you're realizing, you know, and, and it was too late for me to realize this, you know, I, I think I was probably, you know, in my twenties when I'm like, man, if I would have just got off that wall in seventh grade, I could be a very different man today. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. So it's funny what gets into our heads and what, what stops us or what causes us to pause or, yeah. or, or not act. We're so, we're so worried what people think uh, about I know. us. We're so worried about, you know, what everybody's going to say, what everybody's going to We shouldn't think. be. Yeah, I know. No, we should only care about what God thinks. Well you, well, you know that with Triple Espresso. I mean, some of the stuff you guys did and do in that is just it's off the wall. Like, who would do that in public, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, we had we had those thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of fears to overcome yeah. there. What if we do this on the first night and then it dies so bad <laughs> we have to enter the witness relocation program. Yeah. You know, so that's, yeah, that was scary stuff. So uh, courage is a great word to have in your head all the time. Yeah. Whether it just be, you know, helping someone, reaching out, introducing yourself, sharing your faith, sharing your story. Yeah. It's just being willing to to take that step. Um, I just uh, actually, my wife and I are celebrating our 20 year anniversary and we just got back from Hawaii yesterday. Actually, nice. Yeah. And I have been deathly afraid of um, zip lining and, uh, and, but she really wanted to do zip lining. And so um, I, I just, w- I, I met with my counselor and I was like, Let, let's talk this through. I've got to find a way to be able to do this. And um, and then I was able to go and the last zip line, it was seven zip lines. And the last one was, um, 450 feet off the ground. You wow. zip lined across, it was a half a mile zip line and you went over a waterfall. Um, so you're just kind of seeing this waterfall right below you. And I was blown away that I didn't have the fear and I actually enjoyed it. And part of it's just putting on the harness and saying, all right, courage, let's mm-hmm. do this. Let's step into that. And I just was thinking to myself how much I would have missed out on if I let my fear dominate my life, if I let my fear hold me back instead of just stepping forward and saying, all right, here we go. Let's see what we can do. And I got to see this beautiful waterfall that I would not have seen, especially that close, um, had I not taken the zip line. So Yeah. I was trying to figure out why I was smelling Hawaiian Tropic sun, <laughs> sun cream, but it must be you. You haven't gotten all that off out of your system yet. All right. We've got Jason Stonehouse in studio and we're talking about uh, his book that he's written one he's got coming out pretty soon and if you are kind of stuck a little bit maybe you're wondering is this all there is in the christian life you're going to want to stick around we got lots more coming up with jason 
We're also going to chat about a sermon series that he's been doing at his church called Breaking Faith or Breaking Through. Um, It's going to be a great uh, half hour. We'll be back in just a minute. Delighted to have Jason Stonehouse in studio. He's a lead pastor of Grace Church in Roseville, Minnesota. He grew up out east, and he has uh, written a book called Something More, Pursuing the Life You Were Made to Live. And something more is not just between you and God, is it? No, I think it's, it involves um, our relationship with each other. I think it involves, like, in uh, for those of us who are married, I think it's our spouse. I think there's so much more that we only skim the surface of our lives in so many different areas. So I think once the relationship with God is where it needs to be, um, you'll start to see that play out. You'll start to see the um, the benefits of that start playing out all over your life. Mm-hmm. And God's Word is our guide. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to be intentional and we're going to... Um, answer that question, is all the, is is this all there is? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to have any problem answering that question if we're in God's Word. That's right. That's right. I, I love that verse when he says, you know, it's a light unto our path. And I, I just think that that guidance piece of God saying, hey, I want to reveal something else. I've got something more for you. you got to see this. you got to check this out. Mm-hmm. And I get this idea of like, you know, somebody who's been to a place that you've not been to and they're like, oh, I got to show you this. Oh, come on over here and see this. And I, I think there's an aspect of God's heart that he's just like, oh, I can't wait for you guys to experience this. Oh, I can't wait for you to know what this is like in marriage. Or I can't wait to see what kind of parenting thing. I want you to see this. And I get this, I get this delight that God has in us and then he wants in us to have in him. It's mm-hmm. just to delight in him and so, to delight in his word. Yeah, Jason. So if we're stuck, we might be able to go as far as uh, your recent sermon series to talk about that a little bit, breaking faith or breaking through. Maybe we need to break through. Maybe we're stuck and we need some fresh insight. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so um, we really built the series based on these four questions that um, that people often will bring and what will often cause our faith to break. Um, things like, does God give people what they deserve? Or why doesn't God answer my prayers? Or what if I have doubts? Or if God loves me, why do I hurt so much? And so taking some of these questions, these moments that come into all of our lives and then saying, how do we how do we expand our understanding or in as you said earlier how do we clarify understanding that of something that you somehow along the way you heard something or a preacher said something or you received it in a certain way and it was just wrong it's just that's not who god is and you've been living with that belief for so long that it's actually hindering so um really it, it, this is what we call a user friendly message series and i do these about uh, probably 3 times a year where i just encourage the congregation hey bring your friends bring, bring your skeptics bring the people that maybe have given up on church or given mm-hmm. up on god and we're going to try to just talk with them as real people and just have conversation about some of these topics and mm-hmm. really get into some of this, some of these questions. So I think they were, they were helpful and received well. 
Would it be safe to say, Jason, that the enemy would love for you to stay stuck in your in your your pain and your um, unanswered questions and this big if you know if God loves me, why do I hurt kind of mentality? Yeah, I, I think I think that's one of the lies is that God can't handle it. You know that God is intimidated somehow or by God our doesn't questions. Care enough? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think He would love that lie to be the evil one would love that lie to to be out there and to be something that we're just holding on to. And God is just—he's big enough. He's not intimidated by these questions. He's, no. you know, me kind of expressing, "Hey, God, why didn't you show up in this?" Or, "God, why didn't you go and do this thing?" And it's like He just receives it and He just absorbs it and says, "Hey, you're safe here." You know. Let's talk about God answering prayer because I think that seems to be a sticking point for a lot of people in their faith journey, where they feel that if they didn't have enough of their prayers answered within a reasonable amount of time, they start to wonder how much time they should continue to invest in their faith life. Yeah, so I approached this message. It, it was a little bit of a controversial aspect of this, but I approached it in two different ways, and that is what can you know about why prayers don't get answered? What does the Scriptures do tell us about why prayers don't get answered? And then what happens when you can't know? So some of the reasons why when you can't why you can't know um, would be stuff like if there's relational issues between you and another person or there's sin issues in your life, um, or you're asking with the wrong motives. James chapter four says um, you you don't you ask but you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And so God gives us some clarity on hey the reason your prayers these prayers may not be answered are because there's some sin in your life or you're asking with the wrong motive or there's some picture that you're not seeing here. And then for the rest of the sermon, I talked about what happens when you're in those situations when you can't know, why does God not answer my prayer? And we went to um, uh, the book of Habakkuk and really just wrestled through, you know, here's this guy who's seeing these things happen and he's seeing his people have screwed up, his people have done some wrong things, and yet... Um, God is using Babylon, this even more wicked nation, to come in and and punish or judge Judah. And Habakkuk's like, God, this is not the way it works. Like, yeah, we're bad, but we're not nearly as bad as these guys, you know. And and to talk about the wrestling that Habakkuk needed to do in that whole situation. And so we said, listen, when you when you can't know, just be honest with God. Trust His heart. Anticipate that He's going to still move. And then be willing to live by faith. And that's really where Habakkuk gets to in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. And so there's this idea that maybe I don't see it all. Maybe I'm not fully grasping why you're doing what you're doing, God. But I'm going to choose to act as if you do love me. I may not feel that love right now, but I know enough about you, God. And I've been honest enough and I've studied your word enough to understand that I can live as if you do love me because you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hard thing. I think that's, I've come to realize that to live by faith is this as if, you know, I'm living as if this is true, because guess what? It is true. Mm-hmm. What if you came to faith in Christ and you feel like you're still questioning your security in him? I mean, maybe we can apply some of these principles that you're just talking about. Yeah, I think to, it's I not, think to. Not an emotion. 
Yeah, it's not an emotion. And so I'm I'm really that question is a challenging one because you don't want to be you don't want to give people a false assurance. You don't want to say, oh, no, you're fine, because the reality is they may not have truly understood the gospel. They may have never come to the point in their life where they realized it's not about my efforts, that it's all about what Jesus did for me. And I'm putting my faith truly in him. And so I'm always cautious of giving people a false hope or a false assurance but then to say, hey, where is your faith? If your faith is in your actions, well, then, yeah, you should question it because your faith shouldn't be in, did I do enough? Am I good enough? Does God like me? The reality is if you're putting your faith in Christ and what he's done, it's not about what you do and it's not about what you don't do. It's about what he already did. So I, the way I'd like to tell people is you are transferring your trust. You're no longer trusting in you and what you can do. You're trusting fully in what Jesus and what and what he did. Mm-hmm. And as long as that's the case, Bill, then really the focus then becomes, yes, you need to be assured of that. And you can be honest to say, God, I'm not feeling that right now, but my feelings are not going to rule me th- right. today. Because if you have an identity that you were once lost and now you are found, you had an identity that was, um, you got it removed and, repl- and that identity was replaced. Mm-hmm. And I think you would, you would know in your heart of hearts. Yeah, that I I know that I belong to Him because the Holy Spirit has come into my life and sealed my inheritance and told me who I am. Yeah, and 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 He will affirm that and He will confirm that. But I think even in those times when you're not even feeling that affirmation, to go back to the Scriptures and say, "Well, what does God actually say?" Yes, that is what I've done. I have transferred my trust to Jesus. I can rest in what He said. Hmm. So when we're trying to break through doubts, doubts, we all have doubts. Our whole life, don't we? Mm-hmm. We've got some level of doubt, perhaps, over certain things, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we all have doubts. And what I think I grew up as a Christian believing was that doubts were bad and that if you doubted that you weren't a good Christian because mm-hmm. good Christians would just always have that, oh, no, I totally believe that God is for me and that God is in this. And what I'm re- really beginning to realize is that doubts are the pathway to commitment, that if we would choose to just experience those doubts and then seek out to find out what the truth is of these issues, then I'm going to actually be more committed. I'm going to be more all in once I've worked through that process. Right. But if I don't go through that pathway and if I just try to tell myself, oh, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt. No, you're not a good Christian. Then you're never going to strengthen your faith. Your faith is always going to be as good as you'll let it be. Right. And then that first challenge that comes or that first skeptic that challenges your faith, you're done. You know, with that, that first, uh, you know, difficulty that you go through. Now it's like, I'm not sure if I believe this anymore. And we've got this whole thing today about deconstructing faith. And I'm not sure if what I believed was really accurate. And the reality is, is, is your faith, you never allowed your faith to go deeper than just the surface. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing is going to rattle it. And when we talk about doubt, Jason, I mean, to me, a, a doubt is something that you, you tackle, you embrace, you go after, you resolve, you work through it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not a doubt anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it takes on different flavors uh, along the way, but yeah. I yeah, think... I mean, Thomas, you know, set up until I see and touch. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to touch. He All he had to do is see. Right, and yeah. You know, we always talk about doubting Thomas, but nobody ever talks about Thomas who is so utterly and overwhelmingly uh, committed to believing. Yeah. Uh, we always talk about him as the doubter. He wanted, yeah, I, I said to the congregation on that t- particular topic, I said he should be called Realist Thomas because... 
for Thomas, all he knew was that when dead people die, they stay dead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this idea that Jesus was not dead, like he should wonder, he should question that. Like that's not something that happened every day. Mm -hmm. You know, that wasn't a normal thing. So to me, but like you said, he was leaning in saying, I want to believe this. I want to experience Jesus. And it was that encounter with Jesus that changed everything for him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't think we're disagreeing about doubts. I think, you know, doubts are are, like you say, they're the building blocks of faith. Mm-hmm. They really and, are. And when you get into discussion with people who are questioning your beliefs, if you have wrestled with doubts, I think you're going to be a stronger a stronger witness for, for Christ. Yeah, I think the, the worst thing you can do with your doubts is just let them sit there. You got to do something with them. Oh, you know? I, I agree. Yeah. So that might be one of the reasons you can feel like there's, is this all there is? Yeah. There needs to be something more. Because if you still have doubts floating around in your head, get to work on them. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that a... Isn't that a good recommendation? Yeah, yeah. Don't be passive about it. Don't just sit back and say, oh, well, you know, eventually I'll figure this out. Like, no, you need to do something. Be intentional, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, and we can so. do that in community. We can do it with other believers. Mm-hmm. We can do it in, you know, there's there's so many resources right now for uh, doing solid biblical research. Yeah. You know, Faith Radio is one of those great resources, mm-hmm. I believe, where you can, you can call with your questions and concerns uh, when we have any guest on practically. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling that right now as well, uh, let us know what your question might be. 877-933-2484. Let's talk about the pain before we go to break here, how our suffering leads us to Christ and closer to God versus pushing us away. Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of times we want to put the blame when we're experiencing pain, we want to put the blame somewhere And what I think we talked about, particularly in this series, when we talked about if God loves me, why do I still have pain, is I talked about the woman at the well uh, from John chapter 4 and how she approached Jesus and she was experiencing the fallout of a broken world. She had brokenness in her relationships, but she was also in a system that was very patriarchal. And so for her to even eat and get a job and all of those things, she needed to have a man in that context, a patriarchal system, like women were very, very undervalued. And so I, a lot of, I've really changed my perspective on this woman at the well. I used to think, oh, she's such a promiscuous woman or whatever, but really she was trying to survive. And so when we realize that we all are experiencing the fallout of the brokenness in our world and that our broken relationships are are a fallout of the sin in our world, then God becomes a place of refuge. Then God becomes a place where we can receive that living water that Jesus offered her um, that we won't get if we just sit there blaming and throwing rocks at God and saying, God, you're the reason I'm experiencing all this pain. Mm. The reason you're experiencing this pain is because you live in a broken world where pain is all around, even in the physical body as well as in our emotions and relationships. All right, we'll take a little break. We'll come back. Jason Stonehouse is my in-studio guest. His book is Something More, Pursuing the Life You Were Made to Live. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. Jason Stonehouse is in the studio. His book is called Something More, 
Pursuing the Life You Were Made to Live. Jason, you're still writing, too. you got a new book coming out pretty soon. I hope so. I'm still writing as we're talking here. Oh, good, good. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the premise behind this new book you're writing? So um, I'm really thinking about this idea of realness. And uh, so my working title is Something Real, kind of playing off the Something More idea. But I, I, f- I think there's something that we have in common, those of us who are unbelievers and those of us who are believers. I think unbelievers are so... Um, put off by what church and Christianity is in our media, that they're looking for something of substance. They're looking for something real. But I also think that Christians who have grown up in the church are are experiencing levels of pain and frustration that are... um, are, are making them question their faith as we've been talking about this hour. So um, it, it's putting, it's putting to, it's, I think for me, it's giving light to the idea that even Christians are looking for something real, that the faith that we were fed as younger believers um, is really not strong enough. It's not substantial enough. It's not real enough for the kinds of real challenges and issues in the world. And then um, the final section of the book, I want to really address what is the church's role in that? How do we now express a something real kind of faith that is actually magnetic to the outside world, where the church no longer becomes this place where, you know, it's just us four and no more, but we're really saying, how do we intentionally engage a world that has no interest in the things of God, has no interest in church? How do we engage them with a something real kind of faith that becomes magnetic, something that they want to be a part of. So those are kind of the three sections of the book, unbelievers, believers, and then the church's mm-hmm. role. So. Well, you're not suggesting that the the previous uh, generation failed in their equipping us, are you? <laughs> I mean, because I know maybe some people that go, well, what is he saying? Is, is he saying that we didn't do it? good enough job? I, I just wonder if the equipping that we did um, was for the world then and mm-hmm. not the world today. Yeah. And so I, That's I, fair. And I, so I, I feel like we did the best we could and, and my parents and grandparents did the best they could with where they were at. But I'm just finding right now that the levels of pain and the levels of brokenness that we are seeing today in our world today is as Christians, I'm not sure that we're prepared, equipped and, and so what I'm seeing more and more in our own church and with Christians I know is there's more and more people questioning their faith, almost abandoning faith, because they're saying, I'm not so sure this faith thing is worth it, or I'm not so sure it's real enough, or I wasn't prepared for this. I don't have a Bible verse for this. And um, so I think there's an authenticity that um, we just really need to be okay with, and we need to be okay with wrestling with real stuff, real issues, and not just answering questions that nobody's asking. Mm-hmm. We certainly have different challenges, don't we? Yeah. Uh, from our previous generation. And like you say, they did their best. Yeah, yeah. But we have, we have different challenges. Um, it sounds like a fascinating idea and a fascinating book. Um, when we think of the level of uh, challenges today, uh, I'm, uh, it's overwhelming to think of what kids are facing today yeah. and what young adults are facing. And... Um, this, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just see, I guess when I was growing up in church, it was, it was memorized scripture and it was, you know, the flannel graphs yeah. and it was all these things that, you know, and it was fine. And I'm like, a part of me, I'm like, oh, it just felt legalistic to me. But when I look at what we have today, which is such a illiteracy when it comes to the scriptures and a real lack of depth in the scriptures, um, I'm like, I don't want to go back to kind of being legalistic about it, but we have to find a way to um, capture and integrate scripture into the real lives that people face 
And I think t- too many times we are um, answering the questions that nobody's really asking. They're not dealing with the real lives. They're not dealing with the real world. And we want to be able to. And one of the things we do at our church at Grace Church was just to say, how do we equip us to live in the real world, not just the Christian bubble that so many of us might want to hide in? It's a great, uh, great position to have. I mean, a lot of younger people are asking the question, why? Yeah. And you say, believe this, and they go, why? Exactly. And we need good answers for those. And yeah. they're entitled to hear them, and we're entitled to give them. I mean, yeah. we should be ready and equipped. Yeah, and I think we should not be afraid of them. No, I think a lot it of times, exciting. yeah, when we get the why questions, it's it's one that we got to suppress this. We got we can't no, have no. that, you know. But we really we need to wrestle with it, and we need to be okay as pastors and leaders saying, I'm not so sure. I never really thought about that before. Or we, I, I, let's let's dig into that. Let's figure out is there is there some places? And you do find a lot in the scriptures that you have prophets and you have people, men of God and women of God who are asking those same why questions. So we shouldn't be afraid of them. And we may not have a good answer. We may not be able to, in a paragraph, um, be able to say, oh, here's why suffering happens in the world. Or here's, you know, we just may not be able to do that. And I think people uh, respect that. If you don't act like you're Mr. Know-it-all. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just the answers that people are looking for and needing. I, I would say more needing than even looking for. They just don't fit in a tweet. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go there. You have to be with the person. You have to, you know, empathize. Hey, yeah, that is hard. That yeah. is difficult. So how do we have this magnetic faith we talk about? I mean, we need to be relational, but talk about this magnetic faith. I love this. Yeah, I, I think the idea of, number one, I think people seeing that our faith is real. Like if we don't know what our, what we believe, if our faith is not causing us to come alive, then they're going to say, well, why do I want that? You know, you, you, you seem to fall apart the same way I fall apart, or you seem to be chasing the same, you know, carrot that I'm chasing. And w- do you have anything different? And I think that also comes into the way that we are as community. I think a lot of times in our churches, we become very judgmental, even of one another. I think we are afraid to say the things that we're struggling. We're afraid to share our doubts and af- afraid really to be imperfect people. And if we don't let each other see that and then learn to love each other, I see too many people that leave churches because they misunderstood or they didn't agree or they didn't get along with a person. And I just think that's so damaging because what God calls the church together is to be unified. And that means it's going to be messy. That means you're going to offend me and you're going to break my heart and I'm going to need to talk with you about that. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're not willing to do that relational work, if we're just jumping from church to church, kind of looking for who's got the greatest show in town, we're going to miss what the Bible is calling us to in true community. Which, which is really working out the tough stuff of life, not just the platitudes and, you know, encouragement. We call it encouragement, but do we really know the people? I, mm-hmm. I, I think of that verse in Hebrews chapter 10 where he says, consider how you may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Well, I, I paused on that word consider because you can't consider how to spur someone else on if you don't know them. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, hey, go, go do that, Bill. I think you'll be great at that. Well, I don't know you. If I don't know you that well, then I'm not really stirring anything up in you except, oh, that's a nice guy. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> kind of false encouragement. Yeah, exactly. So if we're going to consider how to stir one another up, we have to know each other well enough and we have to work through the mess with each other 
even the mess that spills out on me um, because of you or my mess spilling out on you. And we got to deal with that so that when we know each other well enough, then we can really consider how to stir that other person up to love and to good deeds by not meet, giving up meeting together. And that's a long game. That, it is the long a, game. I'm going to be in this for the long haul. And there's a lot of people today that are going to say, ooh, I don't know if I can do the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what you Christine... swipe left or swipe <laughs> right, whatever, yeah. because you're moving on to the next thing quickly. Yep. And we're in such immediate gratification. Um, and that's why I think people aren't experiencing the something more just to cir- circle back to that is, is I just think we are too, we are wanting that fast food faith. We are wanting that something cheap, something fast. I mean, it's not going to cost me a lot of times. It's something I could do in my car on the way somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And God is not offering us fast food. He's offering us a feast. He's offering us a banquet. And he says, I want you to sit down and I want you to enjoy this. And, and you're not going to be able to do that in you know, through a drive through window. Right. You're going to have to really take some time and enjoy the meal and enjoy who you're eating with and work through what you got to work through. Right. But then when you do that, you become someone who's thoroughly nourished. You become someone who has the energy and strength to really face whatever the world's going to face. And I think we are missing out on that as a culture and we're missing out on it as Christians because we're not taking the time. It sounds, Jason, like you're going to need to be transparent if you do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and vulnerable. And vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're going to be... And I'm going to have to admit that I don't do it well, and I screw up, and I make mistakes, and I say things that hurt your feelings, and I don't communicate well. I have to be willing to admit those things, the unpleasant things, because I think sometimes I can be transparent about, hey, this thing happened to me in my life, or I'm really struggling because of this baggage I have. But when we're talking about being vulnerable about our own shortcomings, our own failures, and then let that person demonstrate grace towards us, that's when you really begin to understand Christian community. That's mm-hmm. when you begin to understand forgiveness and love. Yeah. Jason, it's been great uh, having you here. Yeah, thanks so much. And your, um, your series, how long does that go, your sermon series on so we just breaking wrapped, faith or breaking through? Yeah, we just wrapped that one up. We're starting a new series this weekend called Encounters, and we're going to be dealing with the book of Mark and just these different encounters that people had with Jesus and yeah. what that did in their faith. Yeah, and because we have listeners all over the country listening, I would just want to say, can they gravitate to your website and maybe on occasion hear yeah. some of the podcasts of these sermons, these breaking faith, yeah. breaking through? They're all up online, both the video and the audio version. Nice. It's at extendgrace.org. Extendgrace.org Extend is the name of our church Extendgrace.org. Yeah. Jason, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks Look for forward me. when that other book comes out. We'll chat about that as well. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'll have you back in uh, on some other occasion because you're just such delightful company. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, and uh, welcome, um, welcome back from your Hawaii vacation. Yeah. 20-year anniversary with your wife. That's spectacular. Thanks. Yeah. All right. That wraps up our show for the day. If you, uh, you know, missed any, don't worry. It's all there. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can check it out. And if you uh, have listened on podcast and you didn't listen to us live, I don't know what time of the day it is for you or what you're doing, but um, just want you to know that I, I love that you tune in and listen. Thank you so much. And I hope you've had a great day and have a good night's sleep. And I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.